morning. Good morning. Great to see you all here this morning. If you are new today, if you're very first time, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to see you here at Connect Church. Uh, if you're not new and you've been coming for a while and you know me, you'll know I've got a pretty uh, uh, warped sense of humor, pretty uh, bizarre sense of humor. <laughs> so therefore, um, uh, things like this book I'm about to tell you about uh, just are right up my street. Uh, this is a book I bought, it was actually years ago. Uh, I remember being in Barnes and one day just kind of perusing the books there. And I found this book, it was titled Letters from a Nut. Letters from a Nut. I thought, sounds intriguing. Uh, what's this about? So I opened the book and I started to read, and basically it was this gentleman who'd um, decided just in his spare time to write letters to major corporations with the most bizarre requests and the most bizarre questions just to see how many of them would respond. Uh, I remember he wrote one time to Greyhound Bus to ask if uh, he could travel the country dressed as a stick of butter. Would that be a problem at all? And uh, just to see what kind of response they would get. He said, uh, no, I guess as long as you're comfortable on the bus dressed as a stick of butter, that's fine with us. But um, one of my favorite letters that uh, he wrote, I was thinking about this week, because uh, it kind of ties in with my message this morning. He actually wrote to uh, the company, and this company probably doesn't get many letters from the general public, the company that manufacturers seats for stadiums. He, he found out who it was that manufacturers stadium seating, and he wrote them a letter. And he said, Dear Mr. Meyer, who was the head of the uh, Albert Meyer American Seating Company, um, I have a seating question, and I've referred to you because I understand man you manufacture stadium and arena seating question. My question, when entering or exiting a seat in a stadium, which is the proper side to face the person sitting down? To my rear or to my front? <laughs> I'm always at a quandary when this particular problem comes up. Just last week, I was at a sporting event and I had to leave my seat. There was a whole row of people, all from the same family, that were sitting down my row. I exited my seat, stood up, and faced away from this family. Then I moved down the row, realizing that my buttocks were not two inches from that whole guy's family. I had shown an entire family my rear end. Stadium seating is the only situation in life where this happens, and it's acceptable. Can something be done about this problem? Maybe the rows could be changed. I suggest a single row straight up to the top. You could walk into the stadium, walk up, and then just step into your seats. He sent this letter to the company. Now, I think what I love more than the fact that he sent this letter is that they responded. <laughs> Now, you've got to imagine, working at this company, they're like, I am 99% sure this is a, a joke. But there is a one probability that this is just a crazy guy with a legitimate question. So, dear Mr. Nancy, your letter we found most interesting. <laughs> in fact, in all 38 years that I've been in this business, it's probably the most interesting question I've ever been asked. I've shared your letter with numerous of my colleagues, and they've also found it most interesting. Alas, we have no good answer. Your idea of a single chair has merit, but unfortunately would greatly reduce the number of chairs which could be put in a stadium. The only suggestion we could come up with was that you arrive early before everyone's there, stay in your seat the entire time, <laughs> and wait until everyone has gone before leaving. However, this of course could cause an even more embarrassing problem for you. If you come up with any solutions, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> 
And I have to confess, well, it's not tie-in, believe it or not, with what I'm about to speak on, but I, I found this book has been way too long reading Havilland and written, so I'll spare you from all the other letters. But he's talking about this idea of Rose. So here at Connect Church, we have Rose, okay? Now you'll be very glad to know that we've helped alleviate that problem for you and that we've created a large space in the Rose, so if you have to leave, it shouldn't be too awkward. Um, and Rose are a good thing. Right now you're all sat here, you're looking at me, you're listening to me, what we're doing offering, it happened very easily because you were all in Rose. I like Rose, okay? But I have to be honest, although I like Rose, I love circles. I like Rose, but I love circles. Now I'm going to explain this morning what I mean by this, and as I start to explain, you're going to start, some of you who are regular attenders here at Connect, you're going to think, I think Dave's talked about this before. Well, there are a few subjects here at Connect that we will talk about on a regular basis, because we are passionate about them. It's kind of the, the core of, of Connect. It's one of our, our key values, and circles are one of our key values here at Connect. You see, sitting here in, in rows this morning is a wonderful place for me to sit and listen, but, but there's a very different environment, a very different conversation that takes place when we're sat in circles. And we're going to talk about what that looks like this morning. And the reason that we're so passionate about it here at Connect, uh, the reason we feel it's such a strong value here in our church, is because I feel that you can actually look back and see that this is something that was set in place several thousand years ago when the church first began. You see, Jesus came and, and he lived on earth, and, and when he died and rose again, uh, his disciples, their mission was to kind of build the very first church that we are still a part of today. And we can read about that church in Acts chapter 2. In fact, the whole book of Acts is a really exciting book to read that kind of talks about the birth of the church and how it spread around that, that New Testament world. But in Acts chapter 2, in the very beginning, this is how it describes the early church that Jesus had set in place. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love that passage there at the end of Acts chapter 2. It's just kind of describing what the very first church looked like. And it's like the, the, the beginnings of the church that we're a part of today. And even though a lot's changed in 2,000 years, my heart as a pastor is to say, God, I, I want to be a part of a church. And if you didn't know, Connect Church is a very new church. In a couple of weeks' time, we'll be celebrating our, our third anniversary. <laughs> And our heart wasn't to look out at other churches and say, okay, I guess that's what we should do because that's what other churches do. No, it was to kind of look and say, Jesus, what do you want the church to look like? And even though a lot's changed in 2,000 years, I want some of that um, culture in that very beginning church to carry along to today and connect church. And as we read these verses, um, we start to see some similarities between what was happening back then and what was happening today. You know, it looks like the early church, like us this morning, may have assembled in rows. So this isn't a bad thing. It says that they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
But as they gathered there, they would listen to the apostles' teaching. The disciples were, were teaching these new believers, these new followers of Jesus. So they would have been gathered in an environment much like this, and they would have been sat in rows, and Peter and John and some of those very first disciples would have been teaching what they had learned from Jesus. And much like today, they would have sat and they would have learned and they would have listened. But that's not all that happened, is it? That happened in rows, but I see examples here of some circles. It says in the very next sentence that they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. That there was some, some community that was going on in this early church. They were gathered together as followers of Jesus in, in one another's homes. And they were sharing life and they were in community together. And we're going to discover this morning that from that early church, there was a lot that took place in circles. And this morning, as we kind of kick off this, this short series, it's going to take us over the next two or three weeks, we're going to be looking at um, the, the benefit of circles. How those circles began in the very early church and how they um, still carry purpose today. So this morning, this introduction message, I want to look at what actually takes place in circles. Looking at the early church and, and bringing that forward to today, let's look at four different ways that life took place in circles and four different things that happened in these circles. The first thing I've learned from reading this short passage here in Acts is that spiritual growth happens in circles. I've learned that spiritual growth happens in circles. Listen to this. It says the description of the early church, it began with this idea that they, uh, there was a relational dedication to one another. In Acts 2 verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Do you notice there that their pursuit, their, their devotion, their commitment to grow in their relationship with God, it wasn't a solitary thing. It wasn't an individual activity. In this early church, they knew that their relationship to God was not something to be pursued or to be experienced by themselves. They were devoted to learning together, to spending time with one another, to celebrating communion together, to praying together, teaching, prayer, fellowship, eating. It all happened together. So that sounds a lot like a circle to me. That sounds like the kind of thing that can only really take place in a circle. I got to thinking about this. I didn't actually grow up in a Christian family. My parents weren't followers of Jesus. And yet despite that, as a young person, I was probably maybe eight, nine, ten years old. They thought it would be good to send me to a local club uh, around in the next town. It's a Christian organization. And uh, they thought, you know, it'd be good to send David over there and get some uh, morals and teach him some uh, good behavior and a bit about the Bible. So, so off I went every Sunday afternoon to this club. It was a couple of afternoons. Uh, and I can remember I enjoyed it. I had friends over there and we used to hang out together. And I was thinking about that club this week. So, you know, I was nine and ten. So that was like 15, 20 years ago. So, um, so I'm thinking about it and I don't remember much about it. I remember that we used to meet like this in rows, and the meeting would start out with all of us kids like this, and there'd be a guy in the front speaking, and I was thinking about it, and I've got to be honest, I couldn't remember who spoke, I couldn't remember anything of what he said, I actually couldn't even remember that clearly what the stage looked like. That's really encouraging for somebody who every Sunday is speaking to you from stage in rows. 10, 20, 30 years now, you're not going to remember, but next Sunday you're not going to remember what I said this morning. <laughs> I couldn't remember much about it at all. But then I got to 
about it. And, and I remember that after we met together, we then all broke off into these rooms. And I remember our group used to go to this back room. And I remember it was a good room to meet in because the, uh, the kitchen was right there. And right when we got done, the snack shop opened. So we were like the closest group to the snack shop. Brilliant place to be. But I remember sitting in this group. And there was maybe nine or ten of us in a circle, and Mr. Lewin was our leader, and we would sit around, and I can still remember, from nine years old, I can still remember um, him being there and telling us stories about Jesus. Telling us some of the parables, and, and hearing for the very first time these things that Jesus taught. I remember having my Bible, and he would say, this morning we're going to look in Luke chapter 4, and we'd all be racing. I think there was a prize, the person who gets to Luke chapter 4 the quickest, and we'd you know, flick through the pages. I don't remember much about the things that happened in the rows, but those small groups, I remember Mr. Lewin, I remember that being a, a key moment in my life. And you know what? Right now, if you're a parent here this morning, right now, next door in Connect Kids, that's exactly what's happening. There's a large group gathering going on, but just like Brian and Dan announced this morning said, there are going to be some small group leaders. Our fourth and fifth graders are going to sit down together in a group, and our second graders and our third graders and our preschoolers, and, and they've got small group leaders who are going to sit in a circle. And there'll be some connecting with the kids and some stories being told, some questions being asked and some questions being answered. And some names being learned and some names being remembered. It's a great environment in Connect Kids and I think the circles are better than rows when it comes to growing spiritually. As well as spiritual growth happening in circles, I think that physical needs are met in circles. I really believe this, that one of the great things about circles is that physical needs are met. You see, circles are better at meeting physical needs. Listen to what was happening in that very early church, in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45. It says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It says they sold everything to give to anyone in need. This first century church, they lived in such a way that they were aware of one another's needs and aware of what it took to make sure that everyone's physical needs were taken care of. And some of you are already thinking, hey, I like the sound of this. I arrived this morning and I, I pulled up and I saw that guy arrive in that brand new Mercedes. And I pulled up in my 2004 Dodge Caravan. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and get in that guy's group because we could both end up with a Toyota. Like a nice new, you know, we'll kind of meet somewhere in the middle. We'll sell his Mercedes, we'll sell my dogs. We'll, come. well, I'm not advocating that, okay? You guys decide to do that in your small groups. But um, I don't think that's specifically what was going on here. I don't think they were just selling everything and then dividing equally amongst one another. We don't do that here in our small groups. But what was happening was because they were connected in circles, they were aware of needs. Sometimes there'll be somebody who had a resource or somebody who lacked a resource and because of that circle relationship, needs were able to be met. And as Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is saying, he's, he's talking about this first church where everyone's needs were being met because people were aware of the physical needs of one another. So what would that look like in the context of the church today? Here at Connect Church, we have these wonderful small groups. You know, how does, how does that look today? Well, maybe it's, it's running errands for someone who's sick or in need. Maybe it's clearing someone's driveway or mowing their lawn because at some point they're physically unable to do so. It could mean making a meal for a family that's going through a, a tough time or, or taking someone to a doctor's appointment who can't get there by themselves. 
But whatever it is, circles allow us to know and meet the physical needs of those that are around us, as well as having our own needs met. So Kate and I, we've always been a part of small groups. We love small groups. We were at a small group at our previous church here at Connect. We um, put small groups in from the very beginning. And we've been a part of leading. Um, we've been in many small groups since we started. We're in a small group right now. We love that small group. And just recently, one of the families in our small group, um, the, the husband was uh, going through some uh, medical stuff and some back issues. And we heard about they just had a big tree cut down in their yard. And word got to us in the small group that uh, people were coming and they cut down the tree and they cut it all up. But now in their backyard was this massive pile of logs. And this guy in our small group, you know, who had no um, reason to be out there moving these things because of his back, he was trying to kind of clean this up. So, so we heard about this as the guys in our small group, and we kind of shot an email or a text around like, hey, let's go out and help him with these, with these trees. So we did that. One night we all met up and we all rode over there and uh, they were big logs. <laughs> they were bigger in real life than they were in the picture. But, but we all helped and we all chipped in and uh, we, we all carried them. And I think I have another picture here of the piles that we kind of put them in afterwards. And it was great to be able to, to meet this guy's need and help out. And it was great because I know that soon his back will be better and I've got an extension I want to build in my house. So I'm going to have him and he'll do much more than I can. <laughs> But the truth is, this is a great family who are here at Connect on a regular basis. But had they not been in a circle like that, we may not have known that. And it was great to see the other guys in that small group who weren't like, oh, seriously. You know, they were like, yeah, let's do that. That'll be great. And we went over there and we, we moved in and we loaded up trailers. It was just really cool to see helping that family at that time. You see, it's not that easy, is it, to notice other physical needs when we're sitting looking at the back of someone's head. Or someone's looking at the back of our head. But when we sit in a circle, you're forced to actually look that person in the eye. You can sit across from someone. You can hear and see what they need. And you can respond to that need. I think circles are better than rows when it comes to responding to physical needs. It's a great reason to be a part of a circle. So not just that, not just the physical needs, not just the, um, the first one, jump back here, the spiritual growth that takes place, the physical needs. Also, I think that emotional support is given in circles. This is why I love circles, because I feel that there's an emotional support that takes place in circles. It's not just spiritual, it's not just physical. Circles are better than rows when it comes to providing that emotional support. In fact, research proves the circles better than rows. I love it when I, I read something, some scientist has done some research, or at a college they've done a study and they found that this, and you read it and you're like, that's in the Bible. God already figured that out thousands of years ago, and now science is like, hey, guess what we just figured out? No, you haven't. You just realized what's always been a great spiritual truth. A great biblical truth. And this is what this study that was done by uh, PBS, they commissioned a study to be done to understand the relationship between relational connection and happiness. They were trying to find how those two are connected. So they did this research and they produced a documentary. The documentary was called This Emotional Life. And here's a quote from that documentary. It said, researchers have found that people are happier when they are with other people than when they are alone. 
And the boost is actually the same for introverts and extroverts. They also are finding that happy people are more pleasant, helpful, and sociable. So being around other people makes us feel happier, and when we are happier, we are more fun to be around, creating an upward spiral of happiness. I love that phrase. We don't hear that phrase very often, do we? We hear about a lot of downward spirals of despair and drama and depression. And man, I love the thought of an upward spiral of happiness. Now, some of you might be saying, but Dave, you should see some of the people I hang around with. They really do send me on a bit. Now, that, that, that may well be the case, but you know, I do believe that here at Connect, as we try and create these environments where people can meet in groups that relationally, we're creating an opportunity, we're creating an environment where an upward spiral of happiness can take place. Simply because you're part of a circle and you're part of a small group. And like I said, these researchers on this documentary, they thought they'd figured this out. But listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. That's a description of what was happening in this early church as they were meeting together in circles. They had glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God. They were enjoying the favor of other people. There was an upward spiral of happiness taking place. I have to be honest, as a pastor here at Connect, you have no idea how encouraging it is for me when I hear stories of this happening. We have a lot of small groups already up and running, so I'll hear stories from small group leaders, or I'll hear stories from people who are a part of small groups, I'll hear from the, um, the leaders in our Connect Kids or Connect Youth when they'll tell me a story about something that's taken place in one of the small group settings in their particular environment. And I'll hear stories of this emotional support that's taking place. And it's wonderful to hear. Just this week, I actually heard um, from a lady in a, a group here at Connect. She's part of a women's group here at Connect. And she's going through some health issues of her own. And she met with her lady. She met with her small group. And she told me how when they came together, it was the first time they'd really come together. And she was able to share you know, what was going on with her health. And as she started to share with these ladies in her group, she said they were all very compassionate and sympathetic and asking great questions and just there to support her. And then one by one, several of them started to share their own stories. and said, you know, I've actually uh, had a similar thing, or I've been working through this um, health issue. And, and, and suddenly, even though at that time, when that meeting ended, even though no one left healed or any more physically healthy than they were when they arrived, this lady told me, you know, it was just a great upward spiral. My own issues, you know, just having that support there, it just helped where I'm at. Some of these other ladies get to talk to one another, and, and that just happened in this last couple of weeks. And I hear stories like this time and time again in our circles, in our small groups here at Connect, where this, this upward spiral of happiness is taking place because there's this emotional support that, again, can only happen on a Sunday morning. Because I'll be honest with you here this morning, as much as I love it, if you came in this morning and, and things are tough and you're going through some difficult times and, and Justin said, hey, I want to turn around and shake someone's hand and meet and greet them, that's great. But that's kind of just felt like a little, hey, how's it going? That didn't really change much, did it? I mean, I don't think you were like, wow! 
when that person shook my hand and when they smiled, everything in me left. It was like, that's what I needed. I love our meet and greet, I love when we shake hands, but really there's something that happens in those circles and those small group settings that's a much deeper level where we get to communicate and open up and, and share one another's burdens. You know, the fourth and final thing that I think happens in circles, and this is something that maybe you wouldn't have thought of, but I believe that missional engagement happens in circles. Missional engagement, so spiritually, physically, emotionally, but I also think that there's a, a missional engagement. I think the circles are better at accomplishing the mission of Jesus. Let me explain what I mean by this. In that last sentence that we read earlier, so you've got to remember, this is the early church. This is the, uh, the, the first disciples building this church after Jesus has gone. And they're describing what the very first church looked like, the, the, the DNA of the very earliest church. They're talking about breaking bread and the apostles teaching and fellowship and sharing these. And then in verse 27 it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's what I love about this. They didn't separate it. They didn't say, okay, we're going to gather together as followers of Jesus. We're going to break bread. We're going to hear some teaching. We're going to figure this all out. And then we'll go and talk to those people who don't know Jesus and we'll try and tell them. And it seems like everything was happening together. That right there in that environment, in those circles, there were people daily who were being saved. You see, if you're new here to Connect, I want to share something um, that we hold as an, another very high value we hold here at Connect. And that is as a church, we really feel that um, our mission, the reason we exist is to reach people outside of this building who maybe don't have a relationship with God. Maybe they've never been a part of a church in their lives. They grew up in a family that didn't go to church. Maybe they grew up and at a young age they, they went to church with their parents and life happened, they went off to school, they got married, they just never really got plugged in. So they're not, uh, it's not that they're against God or against church, they just never really found a church. We, we exist as a church to reach families and individuals and couples in that kind of um, arena. People who are maybe outside of the church. And we want them to feel welcome when they come. Maybe you're here this morning, you're new to connect. Maybe you're here for the very first time, or you've been coming for a while now, and you're still not really completely sure about this whole relationship with God, this faith thing. You're still kind of kicking the tires a bit, just checking it out, just thinking, you know, what, what is this about? Maybe a friend invited you, you can see what it's done in their lives, but you're still not sure if it's what's for you. Well, we want to create, create an environment where you feel welcome, where you don't feel like, man, I don't... I feel like this is it for everyone who's a follower of Jesus and I kind of don't belong. We want you to feel like you belong. And do you know what? We want you to feel like you belong in our small groups as well. Our small groups that connect, our circles, they're not elite environments for people who only have accepted Jesus, who are only followers of Jesus. We want you to feel that even if you've not made a decision to follow Jesus, that you can join one of our small groups. And when you arrive, we're not going to sit you down and do some tests. Okay, how many disciples? 10, 12, 15. So one. How many fish and how many loaves? Is it five fish or two fish? Uh, uh, we're not going to test you. There'll be times where questions might be asked and you're like, I don't remember that one. Well, that's okay. We want our small groups, we want the circles here to be a safe environment where there might be somebody who, man, for the day they were born, they've attended church. 
They've been to every VBS, they've been to everything the church had to offer. Anytime the doors were open, they were there. We want an environment where that person can sit next to someone who this is all brand new, and they can still get along with one another, still feel connected, find some common ground. And maybe in those small groups, maybe in those circles, if you're not a follower of Jesus, what a great place to ask some of those questions. What a great place to start to explore that in an environment where there are others who are. Because when you're in rows, there's a lot of stuff I say, and you might be like, what? You're just going to sit there, because you're in rows. But in a circle, conversation takes place. You know, on a regular basis, we've actually got one coming up here uh, in a couple of months, we have our baptism services. And baptism is a chance for people who have, who have crossed that line of faith. They said, I, I, I've accepted Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want him to be the most important person in my life. And I'm going to go public with this information. I want everyone to know the difference that Jesus has made. I want to get baptized. I want people to recognize that that person going into the water, that's the old me. The new me is coming up out of the water. We've had many of those baptism services over the years since we launched. And we've had dozens of people get baptized. And a lot of them have shared their stories on the video. And sometimes you'll hear how you know they heard something in a message. And, and that kind of... Uh, the light went on and they realized, yeah, that's what I want. But for a lot of them, they'll talk about a relationship that they had. This person, I, I saw Jesus in their life. I was part of this group and, and we were talking about this and I realized that's what I want. And very often what you'll see happen, which is so super cool, is that here in the baptism, I'll be baptizing a few people, but then there'll be other people doing the baptizing because this person, that was their small group leader. This was the person that was influential in their lives. So, so this should be the person to baptize them. Because of that small group, because of that relationship, because of that circle that I was a part of, this was the person that helped introduce me to Jesus. This is the person that therefore will baptize them. I think missional uh, engagement happens at its best in circles. <coughs> So as this series goes on for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be encouraging you as we head into the fall here, back to school. Um, I want to encourage you to find a circle, to join a small group. We have connect cards on your seats. You can fill out your name and address, your phone and your email. There's a box in the back. It just says, I would like to get involved and connect. Tell me how. Well, I'll tell you how. You can join a small group. It's a great way to get involved. It's a great way to get to know other people. You know, Connect actually started from a small group. Before we even launched, there was five couples that met together and, and started talking about what Connect would look like. From the very beginning, there was a small group before we had any services. And then some of these great couples, they started to lead small groups with the first people that came along. And then some of the people that were in their small groups now are leading other small groups. And in these small groups, we've seen some amazing things happen. But I think one of my favorite things that I've seen happen is that throughout the New Testament, Jesus and Paul, they keep talking about these phrases of these, I call them the one another phrases. Accept one another, serve one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, offer hospitality to one another, love one another. You know, those are great commands that we were given, but you know what they happen best? Not in rows. In circles. Think about it. Love one another. Love's a verb. The best way to experience love one another is in a circle. 
I heard a story about a pastor, his name was Juan Carlos Ortiz. He was the pastor of one of the largest churches in South America. And he tells this story about how one day he got up to preach on that passage, love one another. Now Juan Carlos, he was a pastor of this energetic, fiery Pentecostal church. And on this particular Sunday morning, man, God was in the room. They've been singing and hands were raised. There was some shouting. There was just some energy and passion in the room. The prayers that were being said were said with such a tone of charismatic fervor that when it came time for the pastor to come speak, there was electricity in the room. Everyone was expecting just this dynamic word of God. Pastor Ortiz, he says that the Spirit of God was there and I felt his presence. And the text I've been given that week was the importance of reminding one another to love one another. He said, I spent so much time praying over this message. I was studying it. I was carefully crafting my thoughts. He said, I felt that God had really guided me to this point. Every illustration was going to fit perfectly. He said, I got up out of my seat and I walked towards the pulpit. And as I got there with so much confidence and boldness and everyone was ready, he says, I really felt that as I was walking across the stage that God spoke to me. He said, I was having this conversation with God in my head as I walked along. It's just kind of this, this thought process, but it was like, I heard God say, one. And I said, yes, Lord. He said, how many times have you preached on this passage in this church? And this is kind of the conversation, you know how this happens in your thought process sometimes in the blink of an eye, you're having this whole, you know, conversation in your head. And how many times have you preached on this? I don't know, maybe a dozen. And then the response came back, did any of those sermons do any good? And then he got to his nose and he stood there and he suddenly realized, you know, I've preached this message a lot. And it's just not changing. So he didn't know what to do. He saw people sat out in the audience that morning who he taught over and over again. And yet he knew that there were people who, who had heard the words but struggled to live out the message. So he says he closed his notes. And after what felt like a, just an eternity of silence, he just stood before the congregation and said, love one another. And then he walked back and sat down. He said, it's the most uncomfortable silence in the world. Everyone's kind of like, yeah. I mean, everything had built up to this. And he said, after what just seemed like so long, he got up and he walked to the pulpit again. He said, love one another. He went to sit down. This is a charismatic Pentecostal church. I mean, they're ready for lots of shouting and, you know, and they're just not used to silence. It's getting really uncomfortable in the room, he said. And he said, the final time he said, God, he said, he said, listen, love one another. He said, he went and sat back down. He said, God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Because this really is feeling a little bit awkward right now. He said this most miraculous thing happened after a few more moments of silence. Someone sat up in someone sat in the congregation, stood up, and they said, "Brothers and sisters, I think I understand what Pastor Ortiz is talking about. He's he's asking me to love you." And he pointed to another family across the way. He said, "But how can I love you when I do not even know your name?" And he got up out of his seat and he walked across and he introduced himself to a family across the aisle and they just started to chat. Suddenly another man, he says over this side, stood up and he said, I think I understand what that pastor is saying as well. He wants me to love Carlos, who was sat just three rows in front of him. How can I love Carlos when I still have a grudge that I hold against him? 
He says that him and Carlos, they got up and they met in the aisle and they embraced one another. And they prayed together right there in the middle of the aisle. He said this suddenly, it's like the floodgates opened. People just started to get up and began to circle up amongst themselves. They began to ask each other what they could do for one another. He said that Sunday incredible things happened. He said a husband and wife had come to the city. They were seeking medical treatment for their little girl. They didn't have enough money to return home. And in that moment, they met a family and said, we want to pay for your bus ticket. Another young man who was in the congregation was looking for a job. And he got talking to another guy who owned a business and needed an extra person. And that day, that young man left with a job. Pastor Rotin said, while all this was going on, I sat in my chair praying and watching one of the most powerful messages that I've ever delivered in my church. He says the church was never the same again. He learned that day that circles are better than rows. So I'd heard that story and I thought, man, I should try that. <laughs> or I could tell the story. So I told the story. Because <laughs> Pastor Rotin has a lot more faith in God, obviously, than I do. But man... It's true that we come and we sit in our rooms. And very often we're unaware of the physical needs or the emotional needs or the, the other needs around us. And I'm convinced that loving one another and connecting happens best, happens best through circles in small groups. So as I close out this one, let me be absolutely crystal clear. I want every one of us to be in a small group. Like you saw in that picture earlier, our church began as a small group of friends that became other small groups that turned into Sunday morning services, but we still have small groups that meet outside of this. I believe that none of us will ever experience what God really meant for us to experience as far as true biblical community unless we can find our way into a circle instead of a realm. So I'd like to charge you this one. I'd like to ask you as we continue over these next two or three weeks. In September, we're going to launch a, a fresh round of small groups. And I want you to start thinking about that now. I love coming on a Sunday. We love that you come on a Sunday. Rows are great. But I think circles are even greater. I'd love for you to think about being a part of one of the circles here at Connect. You can sign up through the cards, through the app. At the connect point, but over the next three weeks, we give you plenty of opportunity to be a part of the circles that we call small groups here at Connect. Let's pray. Father, when I think of those simple three words, love one another, I just think that's such a key part of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And sometimes when we have the intention of wanting to live that out, but not the environment in which to live it out, God, I think that circles help us to live out that command of loving one another. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, even reaching people who don't know you. So God, I just pray for all those listening this morning. Maybe they're new here to connect or they've been home for a while. But if there are any here that aren't part of a small group right now that aren't in circles, I pray, Lord, you would tug into their heart this morning. They would find a small group to join. They would sign up and you get them connected with other like-minded people. And they could start meeting in circles as well as rows. And God, as we close out this morning, I just pray for every family here this morning that uh, this is a big week. We've got kids going back to new grades, new schools. I just pray for families and teenagers and kids this week, Lord, as they begin this, this next chapter of their lives. Lord, would you give them courage and confidence to walk boldly as a follower of you in the halls of their new school or their classrooms in their new grade? And for mums and dads, Lord, who are sending kids off to school, maybe for the very first time, just be with them this week. In Jesus' name, amen.